Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation once again. We are studying Revelation, by the way. We're almost to the end. We're in chapter 19, if you happen to forget where we are. It has been several weeks since we looked at this, but I want to share with you uh, once again from the book of Revelation and uh, uh, we are uh, privileged to have the opportunity to study God's Word, so let's join together for prayer. Father God, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for this privilege. Lord, I pray that You would speak to our hearts as we study Your Word, and Lord, that You would just uh, fill us with Your presence, and Lord, help us to be excited about uh, studying Your Word and about uh, the revelations that You have for us in it, and Lord, we pray that You'd help us as we seek to walk in Your pathways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, throughout <coughs> the book of Revelation that we, as we've been studying, it, it seems like uh, for quite some time we've been uh, in a period of time in which God is bringing His judgment upon uh, uh, Satan and, and those who follow after Him. And we, we've seen uh, moment after moment after moment in which God is bringing judgment. And so it's been kind of a, a, a downer to, to see all the things that God has been doing uh, in this. But uh, realize that uh, when God is bringing judgment, He is uh, judging the world. He's judging sin uh, more than individuals. He's judging uh, the influence of sin upon uh, creation, and he is God is purifying His creation through this process, and uh, He's uh, bringing to all to a culmination of this point in Scripture, this uh, this uh, time. And the last time we uh, were looking at the book of Revelation in chapter 19, the first couple of verses, we saw a great rejoicing. We say we saw all of uh, these uh, this image of in heaven of great rejoicing. And they were rejoicing in verse 1 because salvation had come. And this uh, remember, this is right before Jesus makes His appearance uh, uh, and His return. And so uh, we see that salvation has come and uh, all of uh, uh, heaven is rejoicing because of that. In verse 2, we saw rejoicing because the righteousness and judgment of God uh, was... Uh, being proclaimed and uh, God's righteousness and justice was was coming upon those who deserved it. Uh, in verse 3, we saw them rejoicing because uh, this rebellion because of sin was coming to an end. And we saw that culmination of, of, of uh, this rejoicing in verses 4 through 6 because uh, it shows that God is in absolute control and He is Lord. Almighty, and He is reigning 
uh, uh, throughout all of creation. And so we saw this, uh, uh, all the, of this that's preceded this was Babylon falling and uh, the fall of, of the uh, uh, revolt of sinful uh, humanity against God is coming uh, to an end. Man's dominion in the world is falling apart and God's kingdom ruled by Jesus Christ is, is coming uh, and taking its place. And so this is a time of great rejoicing. It's a time of great uh, celebration. But we see a new reason for rejoicing where we pick up in verse 7. And, and it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him uh, for uh, the marriage of the Lamb is come and His uh, wife hath made herself ready. And uh, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, uh, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he has said uh, unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and, the, uh, and saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell uh, at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, and so what we see here is a new reason for rejoicing is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is the time in which uh, all of, uh, uh, of those who follow after God are looking forward to. And we see uh, this, uh, this great a great time in which uh, we come together to rejoice. And <clears throat> let me just share with you a little bit about uh, how a marriage ceremony was conducted during that time. We usually think about a marriage in terms of, of an engagement and after a period of time of engagement, we have uh, the wedding uh, ceremony and then uh, the couple goes off and, and has a honeymoon and they begin their life together. Uh, that's how uh, many people are married today. Let me share with you uh, what happened in the time in which John is writing in, the time of Jesus Christ, the time uh, over 2,000 years ago, uh, how it was done. First you had the betrothal, and all of us are kind of familiar with the betrothal process because we think of, uh, of uh, the beginning of Matthew where it talks about uh, Joseph and Mary being betrothed together. and We think about uh, that situation in which uh, they are betrothed. And uh, really what we need to understand is, is that... Uh, what usually happened was is that uh, many mar marriages were arranged. They were not uh, some two young people that got together and started googly-eyed into each other and, and began to uh, decide that they want to spend time together and then down the road maybe have uh, a wedding because they want to start a family together. Now, that's not how it was done during Jesus' day. Uh, what happened then was is that families would uh, uh, see... Uh, usually they, these marriages were arranged for uh, either 
the fact that uh, one family had uh, more prestige or power in the community sometimes. Uh, and we saw uh, in our own English history of, uh, of how uh, uh, kings and queens would, would, uh, would promise their children to uh, uh, kings and queens of other nations to build uh, empires and things like that. Well, uh, during the time of Jesus, uh, that wasn't necessarily about building empires, but it was about building relationships within a community and building uh, upon the fact that, uh, that they understood and knew the type of people. And so many times, uh, children would be betrothed to another family even uh, before they had children. They would many times would betroth uh, uh, their uh, son or daughter that would be born to another family in order to uh, because they knew that they would be of good stock, good uh, 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 types of people, and they knew that they would uh, be a, a good uh, uh, match. And so, lots of times these children were betrothed, uh, and it was done in a contract. It was uh, written out, and it was signed by the representatives from both families, and that was the betrothal. Many times. Uh, that betrothal would last all of their life until they were come together, but uh, it was certainly more than a few weeks, months, or year, uh, even a year. Uh, a year nowadays is a long time to be engaged, uh, uh, and a lot of people wonder if, if people are even going to get married if they're engaged more than a few weeks or months. Uh, but a betrothal during that time was serious business. It was a contract. That was why uh, Joseph was so heartbroken is because uh, when he found out that Mary was with child, he, he felt betrayed. He felt as though uh, she had gone outside the bonds of their relationship even though they had not uh, spent time together because uh, that betrothal was like a marriage even though they didn't live in the same uh, household and they did not uh, live together or anything like that. They hadn't come together at that to uh, point, but it was a contract to to uh, say that they were uh, to be married. Then you have what's called the presentation. That uh, and this is what we see Jesus at when he performs his first miracle. Is this time of great feasting, a time uh, in which uh, uh, all the uh, the uh, uh, visitors, all the guests are invited to a grand feast and many times this presentation time, the feast, the wedding feast is uh, something that will last for uh, 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 days. Uh, they would come together and they would uh, uh, celebrate when all of this time of, of prep preparation had come to a culmination and when uh, the uh, bride and the bridegroom are ready uh, the bride would go and get the bride from her home and bring her to the feast for the presentation of the bride, but it was all focused on the bridegroom. It was opposite of what it is today. Uh, weddings today are all about the bride, 
But at that time, it was all about the bridegroom. And uh, the reason for that is, is that the bridegroom uh, would spend time in preparation for the wedding, in preparation for the marriage. It was all about uh, what would happen after the wedding. And I'm not talking about the honeymoon part. Uh, I, what I'm talking about is, is where are they going to live? What, the, uh, what are they going to do for a house or a home? And what usually happened was is that uh, the bridegroom would prepare a place for them to live, usually uh, there with his own family. And he, uh, what would happen is, is that he would build on a section onto his father's house and, and add to that uh, maybe a wing or, two, or uh, uh, a, a, a portion uh, connected to the father's house. And what would happen is, is uh, with each child that would do that, they would build another section onto the home till at, at some point they may even have it all connected and there would be a, a courtyard in the center uh, where all the family would gather and do things together. Uh, but when they would go to their uh, own respective homes, they would go to their own sections. And so uh, what it was all about was uh, the fact that the bridegroom finally had everything ready. All the, the guests were there and, <coughs> excuse me, he would go and retrieve the bride who would have all of her little maidens and uh, they were waiting on the, the bridegroom to come and get them when he was ready. And so now you understand why they were called ladies in waiting because they would all wait with the bride and uh, for the groom, uh, bridegroom to come and get them and then they would all, uh, the, the ladies in waiting would help uh, the bride to, to uh, 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 go to where the feast was and then they would have another feast that would have the bride and the bridegroom there. The bridegroom would present the bride to all the guests and he would present her and the the important thing was is that it was to present her uh, as pure and chaste before everyone. Uh, you remember in, in uh, Matthew where uh, like I mentioned before, Joseph was uh, all bent out of shape because he found out that uh, that Mary was with child. Well, that what that meant was that she had not only broken the contract, but that he would not be able to present her as pure and undefiled to all of her his family when he came together. It would be a disgrace, which is why he had the option of either to uh, uh, to stone her or to uh, divorce her and to get rid of her, uh, but it was it was all about saving his honor. And of course, we know that the angel came and spoke to Joseph and uh, told him that it was all right to marry uh, uh, marry his betrothed because of the fact that uh, the the child was a product of the Holy Spirit, and so uh, it was vitally important. Uh, the presentation and then after the presentation of the bride and the final feast uh, they would have the vows and that was the consummation uh, or what we would call the uh, the wedding ceremony they would have the vows uh, there in front of all of their friends and uh, after she had been presented as pure and chaste and they would come together uh, in the vows and then uh, the uh, uh, the 
the bridegroom's uh, 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 what we call a best man today uh, uh, would uh, then get all the guests to leave so that they could begin uh, their time together as husband and wife. And so uh, that is how a wedding is done at that time. Now, uh, there's a lot of imagery of we- uh, marriage in uh, the Bible in terms of our relation, uh, relations to God and our relationship to Him. Uh, we have in 2 Corinthians 11:2, it says, I betrothed you to one husband uh, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. And uh, so Paul is uh, trying to help the church at Corinth to understand that they need to, uh, and what he's talking about here is, is their understanding of the gospel. And he's saying if you allow all these all other teachings to come in, it's like, uh, like you are betrothed to Jesus Christ and it's my desire to present to Jesus Christ this church as a pure virgin, meaning that uh, they are not defiled by other teachings, that they've been pure in their understanding of the gospel and they've maintained that purity of understanding of the gospel. And so uh, here we have an imagery of marriage being used to illustrate uh, a concept of Christianity in Ephesians 5:22, Paul also uses uh, the understanding of uh, of wives and husbands, where he says, "Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as uh, unto the Lord." And uh, says uh, also, "Husbands, submit yourselves to your wife, uh, or and love your wife as Jesus Christ loved the church and and uh, sacrificed himself." Uh, gave himself for for the church. And so uh, we have another illustration of husbands and wives being used in the Christian testimony. Uh, uh, and in Hebrews 13.20, we have uh, an understanding of the fact that God has signed a contract in eternity past to redeem His people. Uh, this is so exciting. It, uh, uh, in Hebrews 13, verse 20, it talks about this contract that God the Father signed with God the Son to present His church to Jesus Christ. And and so this is the betrothal that is mentioned here in, in Hebrews 13 uh, of uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the church, the bride. And so this is an eternal covenant that God uh, uh, set forth in eternity past. And so uh, what we have here is an understanding of this illustration of marriage as being a way of helping us to understand the events that are happening here. And uh, so what we have in Hebrews 13 is the betrothal back in eternity past. And I, I believe that, uh, that there's coming a day when uh, we are going to be presented to Jesus Christ and that's the day in which uh, we are raptured from this uh, earth and we're taken away and we are... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ is going to come and take His people and take them back to uh, 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 His presence with them in heaven. And that will be the, uh, the presentation of the bride. Um, and this is supported with what we find in John chapter 14. 
this famous verse that Jesus is saying, He said, and I go to prepare a place for you. Well, what's that sound like? That sounds like a bridegroom that's preparing a place for his bride. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and take you with me. This is the bridegroom coming to get his bride, the church, and he says, uh, uh, I'll take you to my father's house. And he, sa- he's, he says, what, in my father's house are many mansions? This is uh, a clear indication of the a illustration of the church being the bride and Jesus Christ being the bridegroom and and going and uh, coming to to get the church for the presentation of the bride, which is the church to uh, uh, to God the Father, and so we have a presentation of the bride in glory. Uh, we're in our we'll, uh, the, the the Bible tells us that we'll have our resurrected bodies, and uh, so we'll be in glory. The presentation of the bride, uh, and uh, we'll also uh, have a period of time in which, uh, and I believe that that we'll uh, leave this earth. Uh, before the tribulation, I believe during the tribulation uh, is time in which all of heaven is feasting, and we talk about the uh, the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb, and we talk about this. This is part of the presentation. If we, if Jesus Christ comes and takes uh, the bride of Christ from this earth. Uh, and we uh, go to be in His presence, then uh, there will be a great celebration uh, uh, and we'll be no longer here. And during, during that time uh, will be the time of the tribulation here on earth. And uh, we'll be feasting. We'll be uh, having joyous celebration. And then the final supper is uh, uh, signaling the end of the ceremony uh, and and the beginning of the ceremony of the lamb, a marriage of the lamb, in Matthew chapter nine verse fifteen and Mark two nineteen. These are all the same uh, 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 same scripture, but in uh, uh, all of all of the uh, gospels here, Luke five thirty four, we have uh, Jesus calling himself the bridegroom. And uh, what's happening is is that the Pharisees are uh, uh, noticing that the disciples are eating when everyone else is fasting. And they ask Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus says back to them, says, uh, you can't fast when the bridegroom is present. You have to wait until the bridegroom leaves before you can fast. But when the bridegroom is present, you don't fast. And so we have Jesus Himself calling Himself uh, the bridegroom. Uh, And I said uh, before that John the Baptist sees himself as the friend of the bridegroom who was the one that prepared the way for the bridegroom to go get the bride and to present the bride and after the wedding to uh, prepare uh, for the the bridegroom and the bride to to go and to consummate their marriage uh, with the vows. And uh, John said of Jesus, he said, I must decrease 
and he must increase. That's what uh, you see in the friend of the bride, which again, like I said, is what we would consider like the best man. Uh, the friend of the bridegroom uh, does in a wedding ceremony. He uh, helps to uh, he decreases in, in importance as the bridegroom increases importance. Matthew chapter 22 uh, also has another illustration of marriage. And what we need to understand is these, uh, these uh, images of marriage relating to the church, uh, many times people try and collect all these things together and put them together. And so they come up with some strange teachings about uh, the church and about what it means for the church to be the bride of Christ. And so I want to go over a couple of these here for just a second so we can understand and not get too confused. In Matthew chapter 22, we see uh, the parable of the king who's giving a feast for uh, his son who's getting married. And he uh, puts together a great feast and uh, he has his servants go out and uh, tell those that have been invited that it's time for them to come for the great feast. And if you'll recall in Matthew 22, they are uh, many of the servants that go and to get the, the, uh, the guests. They're either ignored and, and some of the people uh, uh, don't pay any attention to the, to the servants that have been uh, called, uh, calling the, the guests to come. And this is, this is unparalleled. Because uh, to be uh, to go to a wedding feast is a great event. It's something that doesn't happen very often. And whenever someone uh, is it, it, someone invites someone else to a wedding feast, it means they're going to have an opportunity to eat a lot of food, and it's an opportunity for them to have uh, an opportunity to to enjoy themselves in ways that they normally don't get to enjoy, and. Uh, but to have so, and the feasting would go on for days, uh, and sometimes a whole week. If it's a rich person, it could mean that uh, they would uh, feast for not just days, but a week or more at a time. And if it's a king, that means that the king is going to put on an even grander feast, uh, a wedding uh, feast for their child. And so the king would would have a feast that maybe uh, lasts for weeks at a time, and which that means that that uh, they're going to enjoy themselves for a long time. It's better than uh, going to the Golden Corral and eating a lot of food uh, at the Golden Corral. This is, uh, think about eating the best food that you've ever tasted uh, for weeks at a time. That's what uh, the invitation from the king in the parable is, is equated to. And for anyone to refuse to come when it was time to go to the feast was unheard of. But even more unheard of is what happened next in the parable. Uh, Jesus tells of not only uh, are the servants ignored by the guests that were invited, but uh, some of the guests even go and and beat up and and kill some of the servants that have gone to to collect them. And they go back to the king and report him and he's furious. What does the king do? 
He sends out His army to, uh, to exact revenge on those who mistreated His servants. And then He tells His servants to go out into the highways and the hedges and find whoever they can. And here's the point of the parable is that uh, those who rejected uh, the king are now being replaced by anybody and everybody that they can find, people on the highways and hedges. And what Jesus is talking about really is is that the guests uh, represent those who will be... uh, uh, those who are the redeemed and uh, those who reject the servant's invitation to come or those who reject the call of God to be a part of the family of God to be the redeemed. And he's talking about Israel there. Israel hears of the gospel message about uh, the Messiah being there and they reject Jesus. And so what does God do? He goes and he gets the uh, he's going to spread the gospel to the Gentiles and that represents those who are on the highways and the hedges, anybody who will come. So they're all in the uh, the feast and you remember what happens after they're all in the feast. Uh, the king is going around looking at the guests and he notices a man that's not dressed appropriately for the wedding. And what does he tell his servants to do? He tells them to bind them and, and hand and foot and throw them out into uh, the uh, uh, throw them out in uh, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And what is that? The reason he was thrown out was because he wasn't appropriately uh, dressed, and and the moral is at the bottom of the parable. And Jesus says because uh, many are chosen but few uh, uh, many are, are are called but few are chosen many are called but few are chosen and so and what that means is is that we have to uh, to not only uh, respond to the call of God but have to have a proper ad, uh, proper relationship with God in our heart and have to be clothed in righteousness and so uh, that's the focus of that one uh, and Isaiah 61.10 says that uh, when we receive salvation, we're uh, clothed with new garments of salvation. Now there's another parable that's found in Matthew 25, and it's the parable of the ten virgins. You know, there was the ten virgins there were waiting on the bridegroom, and uh, you had five wise ones and five foolish ones, and they're all waiting there for the bridegroom uh, to come. And uh, they get tired and sleepy because the bridegroom doesn't come till midnight. They don't know when the bridegroom's coming, though. And the foolish ones, they didn't have, bring enough uh, oil for their lamps. And there's the call out that the bridegroom is coming. Hey, make, uh, get ready because the bridegroom is coming. So all the uh, virgins get up and the wise ones trim their wicks and they get ready and they're uh, cutting back the wick and, and, and so that the, the, their lamps burn brighter and uh, they're all ready to go. But the foolish ones don't have any more oil. They don't have enough oil left in their lamps. And they ask the wise ones for some oil and they say, well, there's not enough for us and you too. So go and find a merchant and, and buy oil yourself. So they go and, and while they're gone, the bridegroom comes. And all the, uh, the virgins that have oil, they go with the bridegroom and the bride and they go into the wedding feast and the doors are shut 
And the foolish ones, after they've purchased the oil, they come to the door and they knock. Let us in, let us in. And what does the bridegroom say from inside? He says, depart from me for I don't know you. And the moral of the parable is is that you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for it's more than it's not enough just simply to know that Jesus is coming. You got to accept Jesus into your heart. You have to be ready. Like the wise virgins, you have to have uh, uh, a relationship with God and you have to be prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. You can't just simply know. So let's get back to Revelation 19 and see how this imagery of marriage fits all together. All the focus here in Revelation 19 is on the bridegroom, not even the bride. Uh, The other two parables that I mentioned, uh, there was no bride in either of those two parables, by the way. So we can't say that every time there's a wedding uh, uh, parable or or teaching, it's about the bride being the church. Uh, Those other two had other situations in which the redeemed were the guests or the redeemed were... Uh, the virgins. And so uh, in this one, uh, in this parable, in this illustration, excuse me, of the bride and the bridegroom, the wedding illustration, we see that Jesus Christ is the bridegroom and all the focus is on Jesus. And we have the preparation of the bride, which is the church, is finally complete. And we have the betrothal, which is eternity past, and we have the presentation, which is the rapture, and then you have the consummation, which is the grand ceremony that takes place where they're all coming together. And this is why there's a great celebration, because God is finally establishing His kingdom, and He is finally coming to the culmination of that time in which there's a great celebration uh, because uh, we finally have things as, as God has designed uh, for all eternity past for us to be in the presence of God. And, uh, and the work of Jesus Christ is complete in that He has uh, prepared His bride to be presented to God as uh, pure and without blemish. And you see that in Revelation 21. If you want to look over there, uh, in that chapter we see uh, the culmination of the bride being presented to Jesus, uh, the bridegroom. And it says that that God, uh, that Jesus Christ is presenting the bride as spotless and without uh, blemish. And this is what uh, Jesus has been working on all this time is not just a home for us, a place for us in heaven, but that uh, that He might present the bride, the church, as spotless and without blemish. And we have uh, the holy city coming down out of heaven from God and made ready as a bride adorned for her husband uh, in Revelation 21. So that is the uh, the great celebration that's happening. The uh, 
heaven's hallelujahs that is happening because of all of this. And so this is all the imagery that's found in this passage of Scripture. Uh, Next time when we get together, we're going to look in depth at the actual verses themselves and see more about what's going on here. Uh, But I wanted to give you the kind of outline of what is happening. And and it is an exciting thing. It is a time in which we celebrate uh, because uh, the final... Uh, a wedding feast is coming and this is the time in which the bride of Christ is coming uh, to be in uh, uh, to finally be wed with the bridegroom Jesus Christ and this will be something that will be a, a wonderful opportunity a wonderful time in our lives and that is the time in which we're at in the scripture here so uh, this is what's going on and it is an exciting time it is, an, uh, it is a wonderful time and all of this points to very important uh, information about our relationship to Jesus Christ important about how we need to to look forward to that time and be ready and and uh, the other parables talking about uh, being ready and being prepared and having your heart right is important because we can't uh, we we never know uh, when Jesus Christ will come for His bride. We need to be ready. Like the parable with the virgins, we need to be prepared and have our heart ready uh, to be uh, taken to be with It's more than just simply knowing that Jesus Christ is coming. It's more than just knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's accepting that wonderful gift into our life. It's accepting His gift of salvation. Having our heart right before Him so that we would belong and be a part of uh, the church, uh, the bride of Christ, that we might... And then we work towards having our heart right with God so that we would be able to be presented uh, before God as the spot, uh, the, the purest, pure bride uh, without spot or blemish. And so... Uh, and that's what Jesus Christ is working out in us after we accept Jesus into our heart and life. And so uh, let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your great love. We thank You for the, uh, the excitement that comes with uh, that time in which we come together with You of being uh, united with You in all of eternity and spending uh, all of eternity together with You as You intended for us to be uh, for all uh, eternity past. Lord, we pray that You bless us and, and lead us into a greater understanding of Your love and what You have for us as uh, eternity comes and as we come together. Lord, we pray that You'd help us to be ready Help us to to share with others so that they be ready as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.